Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome in, everybody. Good to be with you as always. Good evening. Welcome to the Sunday Smash. Before we get going, you see my man Irish fell right there. Uh, it should be noted that uh, we ask, if you would, to support, like, and subscribe, if you will, for uh, the Sunday Smash and War Chant TV. Helps us with our programming, helps us with um, content, and, and to be able to do more for you guys and for, for Knowles everywhere to find the show. So uh, like and subscribe to the Sunday Smash. How's it going, Ira? Uh, it's going good. Busier Sunday than I would like in a non uh, after the football season's over. But yeah. uh, a lot of recruiting stuff going on. Um, you know, you probably uh, I know this time of year you get a little bit more interested in the recruiting than you do maybe the other uh, eleven months of the year, nine months of the year. But uh, yeah, Florida State is uh, you know busy. They had some kids on campus. Five star defensive lineman Tyree West was on campus this weekend for an official visit. Uh, so we have a story up about him. Uh, they also had uh, Aaron Hester, who's committed to FSU, a defense event. He was uh, on campus for his official visit. And uh, FSU's coaches have been out on the road, and that was kind of the, the some of the other big news today that people can read about at warchant.com is uh, Randy Shannon was out on the road recruiting for FSU, which he wouldn't be able to do normally because he's he's been a senior analyst. Um, but because there's some – uh, uncertainty with Chris Marv and there's possibility Chris Marv may be leaving to take another job at another school. He's not on the road right now for FSU. I think that's going to be resolved pretty soon. And Randy Shannon is actually on the, he was actually at a recruits house today um, over in Niceville. Um, so a lot going on at Florida state. Then there's the athletic director search, which yeah. is going on as well. So I mean, a lot of, a lot of news here in Tallahassee on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, and thankfully you've been chasing it down. I was driving back from Atlanta. I saw none of it. How 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 was uh, how was Atlanta, man? It was awesome. I I gotta tell you, um, taking the boys to the uh, Hawks game, and what a game it turned out to be. Came down to the wire, last second uh, shot, and the whole deal. Wow. Uh, but seeing Joel and Bead in person, Ira, if you get the chance, uh, just. I know we've all, you know, you and I have been fortunate enough to cover a lot of basketball teams and some really big dudes have come through here, but man alive, that guy is a monster. It is hard to fathom human beings are built like that. Um, right. It's it's just unreal. I don't, if he were in better shape, he'd score 80 a night. I swear to God, I don't know what you could do with him. It's unbelievable. 
Well, and that's the whole thing, right? With, you know, Barkley and those guys, when they kill him, it's like, dude, you could be in Shaq. I mean, they, you know, you could be unbelievable. You could be unstoppable every single night. And that really hasn't, you know, that, that that's been the, the challenge for him is, is living up to that potential, which is uh, otherworldly. Um, it's like a, it's like a real quiet, like an easy breezy 30 and 12. That's just what he, like, I looked up at the screen at one point. I'm like, man, he's really not done anything tonight. And Bryce was like, well, Embiid's been quiet. And I look up, and at the time that we said that, he had 28 and 12. I was like, yeah, yeah he's got a quiet little 28 and 12 so far. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but it was fun. And then we did the, uh, and I won't get too much into it, but uh, we'll get back to the sports. But, yeah, we did the immersion um uh, museum thing with uh, Van Gogh, and it was incredible. If you get a chance to do it, you should do it. It's it's a really moving experience, and uh, I loved it. And so that was Very a lot cool. of fun. Yeah, yeah. So it was nice. I got to see family too. My brother lives there with his wife, and uh, and their kids. So one goes to Georgia, so she was devastated. The other one goes to uh, Georgia Tech. Uh, they don't have high expectations at Georgia Tech for football, so <laughs> no real worries there. Man, what what did you did you get to watch the game, the Georgia game? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Watched every, we watched all the championship games. Yeah. We were able to do that. So, so uh, I that mean, was stunning. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess again, you know, I remember midway through the season when Georgia was putting up those crazy stats uh, for their defense, I remember thinking, well, they haven't really faced a ton of really good passing games. Um, and man, they just got shredded uh, last night. And then, you know, I think Stetson kind of got exposed um, as well. I'm Do you think there's any chance they make a change there for the playoffs or you think they stick with, they just ride with him? You know, I it was it was weird to see. I was more caught up with how easily Alabama moved the football, uh, and less about him. I, I understand what you're saying, but I I was stunned at the way they gashed Georgia's defense. They had no answers, and you know, at that moment when you're seeing the one on one matchups and Alabama winning every one of them, and 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 Bryce Young doing whatever he wanted, it was. It had to be a nightmare to be a Georgia fan. I mean, that's the best defense you're ever going to have, and they got absolutely brutalized. But there's still a chance to recover. I mean, that's the funny thing about all this. You know, I was thinking back to years ago when, you know, how many championships Florida State would have under the current format or championships they would have had an opportunity to win. Um, but back in the day, of course, if you if you lost one, you you were pretty much out of it. Or mm -hmm. if you lost late, certainly. Like, let's say you got upset like they did in 97 against Florida. You were done, you know. Um so it's it's crazy. Um, oh, thank you, Eric. Good job. Thanks for the uh, contribution. Appreciate you joining us. Sunday Smash, Jeff and Ira go Knowles, Ladies Soccer. Congratulations, P-Dub Honors and Jermaine Johnson, ACC Defensive Player of the Year. Go Knowles. Derwin had a fantastic game today in Cincinnati. As uh, Eric noted, he wit witnessed that. So good. Yes, absolutely. Appreciate your uh, support as always. Uh, Ari, you got breaking news? I see you looking there. I see you I'm checking. I'm just trying to stay on top of it, buddy. Just trying to stay I, on know, top I know of you it. are. I know yeah, you are, man. You know, like, you know, not to, this, the format of the show is not to break news, but uh, we did just post something on the message boards that there's uh, – we're just hearing from a lot of different people that Florida State's uh, focused on Louisville Athletic Director Vince Tyra is the next AD. Um, you know, we don't have that confirmed that it's happened, just that we've got a lot of people – Contacts at Louisville and then contacts here at FSU saying that that may be where they go, which would be a surprise. But again, so I'll be I'll be checking my phone throughout the show. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, and oh, I guess uh, you want to talk about soccer a little bit. The uh, I, gave, I gave yeah, I gave Eric uh, some love there and read his Thanks, thing Eric. there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, FSU is going for the uh, national championship in soccer tomorrow night, which is 
amazing. Um, Which is an annual occurrence, Ira. This is an yeah. annual occurrence, basically. It's, it's kind of <laughs> what they do, uh, yeah. the dynasty. Mark according to his belt. Um, yeah, you know, but going back to Georgia and that, that game and, the, and just the playoffs in general, the, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess you don't change much of what you've done to get to this point. Georgia's obviously been great all season. Um, but they're, you know, I, I did think their offense looked p- pretty pedestrian. And then Stetson got confused. Try, and yes. It seemed like he was trying to make some plays that weren't there. Uh, but, yeah, and then Bryce Young, man, where did that come from? I didn't – I've never seen him play like that. If he had played like that against Texas A&M, they win that game. Yeah, it's weird with him. He had a couple performances this year. He had that crazy game where he broke Alabama records against Arkansas, but that's Arkansas's defense where you're like, eh, whatever. I didn't expect to see that either. He was otherworldly and completely composed, controlled. Yes. Even when they got down, he wasn't – you didn't see any fretting. It, it gets frustrating watching Alabama because you know that's in them. You know that performance is in them. And Georgia knew it too. That's why they had to be in the back of their minds a little nervous about that game. Um, but it's just maddening to walk, look at the depth of talent Alabama has. When you're in the middle of a rebuild like Florida State is, and you're thinking about how far you have to go and what you're trying to do, and every little player personnel move counts for a lot because you don't have a ton of wiggle room and you don't have a lot of margin for error. To watch and gaze upon that Bama team is frustrating, especially because it's gone on for so long. Now, I know, I know. Hey, listen, turnabout's fair play. People hear this and they say, if they root for another team, if you root for another team and you saw what Florida State had all through the 90s, you were like, it's the same shit, Jeff. Um, but yeah, but I don't. I root for Florida State. And so it's really aggravating to see this now over there at Bama. Well, and, and in Georgia, too. I mean, watching that game, you just again the thing that kind of stood out to me was watching the the receivers. That was the biggest thing to me. The way the receivers go make plays on both sides of the ball, or you know, for Georgia and for Alabama, it's just like after watching you know what Florida State's having to play offense with, yeah. uh, really for the last couple of seasons, you're just reminded how it's hard to judge quarterbacks when some of these other quarterbacks, man, just go put the ball up and their receiver goes and makes a play, and FSU just doesn't have the guys with the size the length, the catch radius, or the uh, the playmaking ability to mm-hmm. make those plays. I mean, you know, I thought, you know, again, Bryce Young played really well, tremendously well, uh, but he also had guys go up and make plays on the football and win one-on-one battles, as you were talking about. And, and you know, just it just illustrates how far Florida State has to go to just have guys that can compete in that kind of arena. Uh, Seth writes, that AD candidate seems very meh. Um I'll tell you this, uh, if it is him, uh, the, the, you know, people are going to have strong opinions about an AD always. Uh, but I will say that um, it, it is kind of a surprise move. I don't know if he's going to work out or not. I'm not here to tell you that it's not going to work out. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, I do know, and, and Ira, you can attest to this. I mean, we, we hear things about the interview process and the people they brought in. And, and I'm not specifically saying any one candidate, but I'm saying all the candidates that, that were brought in all noted, uh, I was told, uh, that, that that FSU's got a lot of things they've got to change in, in terms of the way they operate. And that's good news. That's what I want to hear. I want to hear those people that came in and interviewed had a plan. They were noting those problems. Uh, hopefully they presented solutions. I would assume they did. That's why they're there and they did their prep work. But Florida State has to find some direction here. And I was getting nervous as each week and month went by that they hadn't made a hire. So I'm just excited that the process has been sped up and that uh, it looks like this is happening sooner, sooner rather than later. Yeah. And to follow up on what Seth's question and what you were saying, uh, you know, Louisville's AD Vince Tower, if he is the guy, 
was a guy, he worked in the business community in the, he, with an equity firm. Uh, so he's got a strong business background. He took over as athletic director of Louisville in 2018. The biggest hire he's made was a big one. He did go out and get Chris Mack to leave Xavier to come be their men's basketball coach. And that was a huge deal. It hasn't panned out. It's not like Chris Mack has been a huge success so far, but that was a huge hire to get Mack to leave Xavier to come to, to Louisville. And, um, you know, I think he's got a you know good reputation, but he's only been in athletics for a few years. There's been a move at a lot of universities to go out and get business leaders uh, mm-hmm. to run athletics departments. And, you know, we'll, we'd have to see how it would play out. Um, the uh, there Obviously, there are other candidates that Florida State considered or in is considering. And, uh, you know, we've heard a lot of those names and, you know, we'll have to see how it plays out. It's, it's a unique situation, though, right now for Florida State because – and somebody else asked about would a new athletic director bring in a new football coach or be leaning that direction? Uh, I would say this, that was my one concern about FSU making the change to Willie Taggart in the middle of kind of what was a transition period. You know, at the time, nobody expected David Coburn to be the athletic director for 10 years. At most, it was going to be a few years. Uh, John Thrasher was nearing retirement. So to me, that was my concern about going and hiring a new coach. They hired Mike Norvell is that you're going to have to replace the athletic director. You're going to have a new president. And uh, I don't think that anything like that would be a, a great concern for Mike Norvell right now. Um, but if things don't go well, it makes it easier for a new athletic director to say, hey, it wasn't my guy. Um, right. And, and I don't think that's going to happen. I think Mike Norvell's got things headed in the right direction. I think they're going to have success. Um, but that is the dynamic when you change a president and an AD and a board of trustees chair. They have a new board of trustees chairman as well. Uh, none of them are the ones that, that – Whoever takes that job will be the ones that hired Mike Norvell. So that's something to watch, especially if they don't have success uh, in 2022 or 2023. But I don't think anything's imminent to worry about. Yeah, nothing's imminent, I wouldn't think, either. But you're right. I mean, if you think about it, and and we can always put ourselves in these situations, Ira, if you were tasked with taking over – an athletic program and you know your job depended on you know if you wanted that job for years to come it's it pays handsomely most people would like to retain their position um in your your job is on the line based on the success of these programs in particular football we all know that uh if you didn't hire that guy the first sign of weakness you're gonna say yeah man this was never my guy and now he he's messing up the works you know i mean you're gonna you're gonna be not now you can't do it in year one, especially not given the financial situation that Florida State's in. But to your point, if things were to go poorly, and I don't think they're going to, because I agree with you, I think Norvell is the guy. But if it if he if he stumbled, if they struggled a little bit again going into next season, and then you know he'd be entering that following season without question, kind of being on the hot seat at that point, I, I believe for a new AD. Yeah, and it's a it's an interesting time, man, for Florida State really as a whole. I mean, and that's where. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens with this, if this is decided or if it comes out soon. Uh, but I'm actually writing a column that we we're going to post on the site about this situation in Florida State's athletics department. You know, they've been in kind of a state of flux for a long time. You know, you, you go back to, you know, David Coburn started out as an interim athletics director. Before him, you had Stan Wilcox, who wasn't, didn't see eye to eye with Annie Miller, who's the boosters pre- president, or with Jimbo Fisher. Before that, you had Randy Spetman, who was kind of, you know, doing the, the handiwork of T.K. Weatherall, the former president. So it's been a long time since Florida State's had a real strong athletic director. Uh, Dave Hart would be the last one who had not only was a strong AD, but also had um, the the gravitas. He, he had the authority to run the department how he saw fit until T.K. basically took that away from him. 
uh, mm-hmm. down towards the last couple of years. But but for the most part, you know, that was the last time. So I'm just excited to see who it is and, and, and let that person really run the department and create a vision for the department and that people can rally around and really support. It's been a long time that Florida State's had a, a unified vision. It's been a lot of different competing interests. So, man, you got a president now and, and uh, Richard McCullough who's new at the job, doesn't have a big athletic background. Uh, you'd like to think that whoever the AD is, if it is Vince Sire or somebody else, that they get autonomy to really run the department the way it needs to be run. So people can kind of embrace that vision, whatever that vision is. Well, it's the first time since Dave Hart they've had a legitimate process to hire a real AD. Um, and I'm not trying to insult the people who were athletic director post Dave Hart, but those people, as you said, uh, did not have total autonomy. And because it was the way the booster system, uh, the, the way the system was set up, the athletic director didn't really wield all of the authority. We know that. And they didn't have total autonomy. And so a lot of the great athletic directors around the country who would have been uh, in an interview pool uh, didn't even consider Florida State. They, they knew it wasn't, uh, in essence, they knew they wouldn't have a lot of power. Uh, right. So so, so you could not get good candidates to throw their name in the hat to be interviewed because they knew it was a puppet's job. So now, now you've, you've finally got some um, guys that have been in the interview process and thrown their names in the hat that have some experience uh, and have had some success because it's viewed as a real position of power now. Yeah, and, and so, you know, there's a lot going on. Obviously, Michael Alford, is, uh, you know, he's been the booster CEO for the last uh, year and a half. And, and uh, a lot of people felt like maybe he would be the next AD. And, uh, and maybe, you know, again, maybe what we're hearing from a lot of different sources isn't accurate. Um, but from what we're hearing right now, that's not going to be the case. If he stays to be the similar booster CEO and president, uh, he's got a lot of ideas that he's been working with David Coburn on in terms of renovating Doe Campbell Stadium, uh, reseeding it. Uh, maybe there's a lot of changes they want to do there. Obviously, the football standalone facility is a huge project they're working on. There's other projects as well. Um, so now you have a new AD coming in, and you know they have to get quickly on the same page. And uh, you know David Coburn agreed to stay on through the end of this academic year. Uh, it sounds like this is going to be a much more rapid process to move on. And uh, you know again, like I'm curious to see uh, what the vision is because you know this is going to be the first time in a long time that you've had a new AD, new president, new board of trustees, chairman, uh, kind of, you would assume, marching in lockstep. Yeah, those are sweeping changes, and it is important that they are marching in lockstep because that's how things get done when everybody's on the same page and has a very firm grasp of what is being tasked uh, and, and and everybody's pulling in the same direction. Uh, how, about, that, uh, how, about the Miami situ- about how about the Miami situation? What do you uh, – you have uh, been paying attention to all of those shenanigans? Yeah, well, I've laughed at it. It seems like it's been a mess, but it also seems like if indeed Cristobal takes the job, if you're talking about coaching or you're talking about the AD. Um, all both, of the above. Yeah, all of the above. So if I'm Mario Cristobal, now is the time to get out of Oregon. Uh, Southern Cal just decided they're back to play. And uh, once that happens, all of the guys that are takes for Oregon or have been yeses to Oregon are going to say no, because a lot of them have been guys that have come from the state of California. You're not getting them anymore uh, now that Southern Cal cares. And it's the first time. It's funny, by the way, Ira, this conversation, because USC spent a lot of time out there adrift rudderless because they didn't have an athletic director. I mean, Hayden and Lynn Swan, both. That's that's a clown show. What are we doing now? They have a real athletic director. And he comes in, Mike Bone, and right off the bat starts making big changes that shows their intent 
to play ball, to be serious. Everything from the golf coach on down. They hired a Hall of Fame golf coach, took him away from Texas A&M. They're seeing it across the board, all the salaries that they're willing to pay now. So this is the kind of stuff that lets you know your university cares. So if I'm Cristobal, I'm out, man. I'm gonna if I'm if I ever wanted to leave and and the Miami job's available and I you know my mom is sick, meaning his is, and we know yeah. that to be true, unfortunately. So your mother's sick, she lives there, your wife's from there, you have ties to the university and you love it. If this was the job you ever wanted, now would be the time to take it. Well, and on top of that, you have this bizarre grassroots movement. Uh, and I only say bizarre because we haven't seen this from Miami before. They're acting right now, they're kind of acting like an SEC school where all of these big, deep-pocketed um, either yeah. alums or just interest in the program are stepping up now to throw a lot of money, money at their situation. I mean, it's uh, you hear the names and you look at the businesses that some of these people are affiliated with. I mean, it's real money. This isn't Nevin Shapiro. This isn't a con man, a junk bond trader. I mean, these are like heavy, heavy hitters in South Florida or with South Florida ties who are throwing a lot of money at this, not just bringing back Mario Cristobal, which the numbers being talked about is $8 million a year for five years, but also Dan Radakovich is the AD from Clemson. Yeah. Um, and again, he's not going to make that move unless he's seen real proof. And, and none of those deals are done yet. Uh, Radakovich may come shortly after Cristobal if it happens according to the reports. But, but again, he's not – Dan Radakovich isn't leaving Clemson for Miami unless he really believes, yes, man, they are going to invest. Uh, there's talk they want to build a, a, a new stadium on campus, I mean, or, or at least in Coral Gables. Um, so we'll have, see how that plays out. The flip side of that, though, if that's what they're going to try to do and really wrangle in all these resources is now, like an SEC school, you'd have a lot of people at the table who want to have their say heard. You know, if you're, if you're reaching out to all these people and they're going to pay – 10, 20, 30 million dollars, whatever it is, to, to make all of this happen, they're gonna want a voice again, like those SEC coaches. A well, very loud, a very loud voice, yes. Yeah, exactly. Florida State, it's always been kind of the double-edged sword. Florida State has never had as many of the deep pocketed individuals, but because of that, they've never had that interference. And that's sometimes creates a, another uh, another challenge. So it'll be fun to kind of watch how that all plays out. Yeah. Um, you know, at the time, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking to, I was talking to Lee Sterling. He's down there in Miami, Paramount sports guy that I've had on for years, friend of mine. And he was saying that they were going to do a kind of a, a combination of things. They were going to name uh, maybe a unique AD by title only, and that um, they wouldn't really act as an AD. They wanted somebody to be a face of the athletic program. Um, and so you're hearing people talk about Ed Reed here, but at that time they were talking about a different, uh, a number of different players that they were going to reach out to perhaps for that position. And I thought that was fascinating. That's one way to do it, to have a guy be the quote-unquote AD, but not actually the AD. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird deal. <laughs> Well, I mean, again, it's it's going to be fascinating to see. I mean, they're 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 clearly uh, the alumni, and also you know just people in South Florida want something to change there. They want something to happen. Um, you know, and again, that doesn't mean just throwing money at it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to work. Um, you know, it's it's just means you're throwing money at it. Uh, but but it is, you know, again, you look at the landscape right now in the state of Florida. There and, and really for Florida State, I really think you know somebody. I was texting with somebody. Um, a former FSU administrator uh, that I talked to sometimes I was talking with today about, you know, if, if, if Radakovich leaves Clemson, if Brent Venables goes to Oklahoma, you know, we, we wonder if that means anything's going on with Dabo at Clemson. 
if 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 there's a change of foot at Clemson, and you know you got a new head coach at Florida, you're gonna have a new head coach at Miami. You know the door could really be opening up for Florida State to if Florida State gets its act in order and really if Mike Norvell's the right guy and and and, and the, the AD hires a home run and they get everything on the right page, this could be the opening Florida State needs to kind of emerge back in the, in, in the, the national picture. There's almost yeah, you're right, Ira, and this is why we were so when you know if you think back to a week ago or earlier in the week. Um, I was thinking about how fortunate Florida State was to not be in the midst uh, of of the changes that you saw going around in college football because if they had to throw their name in the hat, if Florida State had to throw their name in the hat, they didn't have the pockets that Southern Cal or Oklahoma or any of these schools that we saw making the changes uh, would have, right? I mean, that was going to be a difficult battle to win if you were vying for the same guy or something along those lines. So I was glad that there was some continuity for once for Florida State here in the midst of all this turmoil. At the same time, I remember thinking, and I hope they make an AD hire really quickly because they've got to have a vision and they got to attack it right now because this is the time to pounce. You, you are seeing radical shifts in college football, and you better have somebody in place that you believe in to lead moving forward. I, I, I just thought about this. Why in the world, under no circumstances, almost that I can think of at all, would Radakovich, why would you ever leave Clemson to go to Miami? And no, no world is that a better program. That, that makes zero sense. Zero sense. No, something, something, something's afoot there. You're right. Something's wrong there. Yeah. Unless, you know, yeah, it could mean that, um, again, maybe there's just a lot of people not happy at Clemson right now. Maybe there's some sort of, uh, maybe there'll be a max exodus there. We'll see. Um, but it's just interesting that it all seems to be coming at the same time. Um, and Radakovich has definitely got a great reputation. Um, you know, he was at Georgia Tech before. He's the guy that, I mean, Jimbo, when Jimbo was here, he used to talk about Radakovich a lot because of the vision and the way he invested, um, he got he got the investors to spend money at Clemson to build their facility and, and all that. Um, so he's definitely a guy that can marshal resources. Uh, but again, it, you know, it, it's a different kind of place at Miami than certainly than Clemson or, or even Georgia Tech. And until you're down there, I don't know that people really realize Miami's a pro sports town. And, you know, when, when the hurricanes are rolling, there's an interest, but it's a pro sports town more than anything, and it's a transient town. So you don't have quite the same support day in and day out. Um, you know, so he may not know exactly what he's getting into. We'll see. He did. Uh, Mike, Mike is mentioning here in the chat that Radikovic did get his, uh, I think he got his master's. He's been down there that he knows. Okay. Yeah, so he does have his master's from there. But, um, but yeah, so we'll see, man. The, uh, it's, uh, it's fascinating times. But, it, you know, it's crazy to me is this whole thing with, with, with Manny Diaz is happening. And I, you know, I don't know. I mean, they're all big boys. They all make a ton of money. Yeah, so it's hard to feel sorry, but you're like, they're just floating his ass out there. Well, I mean, just think that, but just think about, like, remember what, how the outrage when when Auburn flew Petrino down? Yeah. They, they still had a head coach. Petrino still had a job. And people lost their minds at the outrage and just how awful this was. And this is this is worse. <laughs> I mean, this brutal. is – because they're not even hiding it. No. But, I mean, it's <laughs> – I mean, again, Manny's going to get plenty of money to walk away whenever that happens. But what's crazy is they're like, yeah, and if it doesn't work out with Cristobal, we'll just keep Manny. Oh, okay, yeah. cool. That'll be yeah. great for the morale on the team and the coaching staff. Man, Ingvar, I appreciate the 100 rubles, baby. 
Eight hey, years boy. passed since our last really good season. Still, I support my FSU family from Russia. Good job, Ingvar. Thank you so much, as always. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah, appreciate you very much. Uh, you know, it's it's with all of the change happening, you know, it's funny as fans get, and I completely understand because I'm one of them, it's really restless. You get uneasy, and you, you're trying to find – you want answers. You want immediate answers. You want to know with great certainty that everything's going to work out and that your university's made the right decision with the right coach, the right coaches, the right AD, and you see all the change, and everybody – there's a tendency immediately to be like, oh, well, that was a good move. Well, that Everybody thinks everybody else's move is good. Well, they loathe their own a lot of times just because you're only angst-ridden about your own. You don't really – you have no investment in that other thing. It's only about your own. And so you're always worried that there's a misstep or that you've taken the wrong path. Truth is, we don't know. I mean, it could very well be that Norvell doesn't work out. You and I happen to believe that he's a good coach and that he's done a relatively good job and he's got the program moving in the right direction. But only time is going to tell us that nobody ever wants to hear that, nor do they want to wait the requisite amount of time. The, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I agree 100%. And, the, you know, the thing with, the, from a FSU football standpoint right now, there's a lot of other stuff going on. I think that um, is interesting to observe. And when you talk about Mike Norvell and what he's doing here, I mean, you've had, I think in the in the span of the last three or four days, you've had, I think, four players that have announced that they're going in the transfer portal. Uh, I think that's going to continue. We're already starting to hear some other names of other guys from this team that are going to be going in the portal. Um, I don't think that Mike Norvell is telling them they have to leave, but I think uh, as they <laughs> – as they talk at the end of the season, I think the conversation is, look, this is where, you know, you want to be honest. This is where you are on the depth chart. These are the guys we have ahead of you. Mm-hmm. These are the guys we plan to be bringing in. Correct. You know, if you do want to play in college football, it's probably not going to be here. And you're, and I think you're having those conversations are happening. You're seeing guys going in the portal. The reason that's important, of course, is because once you, uh, more guys leave for the portal, that opens up more space and they can bring in, I mean, they may be bringing in, you know, 30, 30 guys this offseason between 30 or more high school players and transfers to continue uh, upgrading this roster. And then, uh, you know, again, we, we have the situation with Chris Marr possibly leaving to take another job. The The rumor is that he might be looking at going to Virginia Tech. Uh, now, does that mean Randy Shannon slides in there at linebackers coach? I think a lot of people want that to happen. Uh, but whatever the case is, it's another opportunity to, to improve your coaching staff. Um, so I think this is going to be a big offseason for Mike, for Mike Norvell. We talked about it before. You know, he's got a – there's not a – it's not like they have to get to a magic number of wins this year, but they really have to take another big step. You can't just kind of tread water. Uh, there was improvement this year, but there's got to be more improvement, and I think you're seeing the moves he's making to make that happen. Well, I love that you're hearing these names enter the transfer portal, and I keep – every time I see one, I wish him luck, and I think, good, we need more. Who else wants to jump on in? <laughs> Get your ass in that portal. Let's go. There's a lot of you just push like 17 guys in that portal that can't play. We need, uh, uh, we need, he's not we here. Need, we need Tom to come on and do the, uh, the portal, the portal. Yeah. But instead of guys going in the portal, like you're aiming the portal at guys. You, and dragging them. At it's like a, you're firing it's like a, the portal's laser. It's dragging them in to the portal. <laughs> They're like, I don't want to leave. Get your ass over there. <laughs> Why do I have to stand here? Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, 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 man. I, there's a lot of guys that when the season ended, I actually did this exercise. I was pleased, not with the final game, obviously, but I was pleased with what we saw in the second half, the uh, second half record and how much fight and improvement we saw and, and all of that. But I obviously knew 
we were going to lose a lot, especially on that defensive line. And I thought the overhaul of the roster has been a consistent talking point on this show, my show, your show, your writing, Corey and uh, Aslan, everybody, right? Everybody knows when you just look at that roster, it ain't enough. And it's hard to flip a roster. Like you're doing two things. You're flipping a roster because you have to change the culture, but you're flipping the roster because you got to get more talent. And and so you're, you're trying to accomplish both. And it's a tricky balancing act um, because you have some guys that are really good team guys who are doing everything they can, but they're just not good enough. And so how do you massage that situation, right? That's really tough. You want to be fair to the kid. It's not the kid's fault. He didn't recruit himself. Some poor state brought him in here. He's just not right. good enough. Yeah, and so and it's, it's yeah. hard. Yeah, and, I, it's, it's, and it's the byproduct of, Coaching change after coaching change. Oh, sure. Know? Yeah. Because yeah, you know, Willie, Willie got, classes. Yeah, Willie got here the first, you know, as soon as he gets here, he's got two weeks to put together a staff that or a staff and a, and a recruiting class. That's that class is pretty much was blown up. Then he has one full class that wasn't very good. Then no. he gets fired. You bring in Norvell, a bunch of those kids leave. He has to put, throw together a class really quickly. Some of those guys don't pan out. And so you're going through this process of just trying to get these last two or three years, they've just been trying to get close to 80 players just have bodies and now he's at the point now where he's actually trying to you know improve the quality um and, and the and the depth well and if you're gonna if you're gonna see massive change yeah obviously got to make room for it so as you correctly worded it ira those honest conversations have to take place i love that before you made your point you prefaced it with uh <laughs> you know basically like so, you know, we're seeing names in the portal. I was like, here we go. <laughs> like, yes, he's you know. in the point that I, I, I've been selling every hour. I check my phone. I'm like, any more names in that portal? Let's go. Come on, let's speed it up. I was looking yeah. for 30 portal people. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're definitely going to see some more. Um, you know, and so it's a, you know, it's a process that, you know, again, to create that space, they do have some a luxury of adding more people this year because of that NCAA rule because of COVID. Um, and so – yeah, I mean they're gonna have an opportunity to bring in more players and and uh, you know the 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 guys that you know they're involved with some guys um, today that that group that Randy Shannon was a part of to go um, over to Niceville. Uh, the young man, um, I think his last name is Thomas. I think is a, a defensive back out. His his brother plays at uh, what do we got going on here? What do we got going on here? What are you looking at? Oh, oh, Pat Forty. All Clemson's right. did, yeah. Saying the interest between Louisville AD Vince Tyra and Florida State is mutual and serious and could come to a resolution as early as Monday. The Board of Trustees at Louisville are meeting on Monday to discuss personnel matters. Um, relations between Tyra and UL President uh, uh, Byrne, I can't pronounce her name, are strained enough that a potential parting can be mutual. Um, so it's, uh, you know, so again, Pat Forty is very dialed in at Louisville. So he's reporting the same things that we're hearing is that Florida state appears to be settling in on Vince Tyra as their next athletic director. Again, um, you know, we'll have to see, it's not, it doesn't sound like it's, it doesn't sound from his side that it's a done deal. Um, I've got one person at Louisville who uh, I'm friends with who, who said that there's a feeling that perhaps uh, Vince Tyra is using this as leverage. Uh, we're hearing from people at Florida state that know this is uh, where Florida state's going to be going. So again, you know, I we'll have to see how it all plays out, but th that could be the next athletic director. And um, but back to the the conversation about this football team. You know, some of some of the the from the personnel standpoint. You know, again, it, as you watch these games, and we were talked about at the beginning, you watch that George Alabama game, you watch uh, Michigan, you watch some of these teams play, and it's like, man, Florida State. You realize how Florida State, how far Florida State has to go from a talent perspective. 
and it really between the lines of scrimmage and then also the skill positions. And and so, I mean, I do think Mike Norvell is doing the right thing, but I, I don't know, even if you bring in 30 new players this year, do you think that gets you closer to where you need to be? I, it depends on who those players are and what positions right. they play. I, I, I'll say if they, if they're defensive linemen that can help, um, that group that loses so much of its talent, it's starting uh, numbers were extraordinary. We know it was great to see big coops coming back. That was helpful. Right. Um, but, but also, you know, losing uh, what you're losing in Kier and what you're losing with Jermaine Johnson. That's, I mean, those two guys were animals uh, as we well know, yeah. and, and were some of the better players in this league, uh, let alone at FSU. So uh, yeah, you got to get those guys have, you got to get something close to that and, and to be able to replace it. And then I think obviously, I know we talk about it all the time. Wide receiver, linebacker, offensive line. Uh, if, if you get some guys that are serious upgrades and create – part of the problem, we bring this up a lot, people want to see those guys come in, like the talent come in at those positions because of what they can do on game day. But it's also a lot to do with what they provide every day in practice. Right. Because right now, you know, you think about what this group sees every day in practice. You can't get good if you're going up against bad every day. I mean, it's it's you have to have – real talent and competition uh, in each segment group to bring out the best in everybody. And you can get a false sense of security. And I think they did, by the way, preseason right. at various positions, thinking that somebody was further along than they really were. Hell, I was guilty of it in a couple instances of thinking somebody was further along than they really were. And then you got up there against a group. Then you got out there against a better group each week uh, with a better depth of talent. And that margin kind of uh, between the two, between Florida State and who their opponent was, seemed to widen as the year got started because you realized uh, of what was happening in practice. There's just a certain segment groups yeah. that didn't get a good look every day. Yeah. And there's so, you know, and it's funny because there's uh, in some circumstances, it, it, it was what we hoped it would be, you know, what you thought it could be in some circumstances it was not perfect example was the way Jermaine Johnson dominated uh, in practice. You're thinking, man, this guy must be unbelievable. But then sometimes I would check myself and think, well, if he was that great, would Georgia really let him leave? Well, it turns mm. out he really is that good. It, yeah. it wasn't just a byproduct of a bad offensive line at practice. He is that good. Now, at cornerback is the other one I think you were probably alluding to earlier. There were practices in the preseason and really going back to the spring where I thought, and Jarvis Brownlee must be an All-American. I mean, yeah. him <laughs> and Travis, they, they were just shutting down that receiving Dominant. core. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, well, this receiving core um, has a long way to go. Um, and so, and, but you know, the good thing is, man, you look at the receiver, you know, Miami went out and got Charleston Rambo last year. He had a huge year in his one year. That's a position where I feel like you could get a guy in defensive end. Um, you know, we're talking about getting, if you can go out and get guys that are grown men, third mm -hmm. or fourth or fifth year players, they can have a huge impact right away. Yeah. And I, I think they will get a few of those guys. Uh, I mean, this is a, you know, FSU did right by most of the, uh, transfer portal guys that, that occupied the roster. I mean, if you, I mean, not, not everybody makes a contribution. We understand that, but of the, of the high profile guys that came in, obviously they improved their stock. They played, they played well, they got better as the year went on. Uh, that's the resume you want to be able to roll out there to other transfer portal guys. I mean, Jermaine Johnson is a shining star in a lot of ways. And so is Keir Thomas. Right. Uh, and one of those ways may very well help you secure uh, players of their caliber or similar caliber in the transfer portal again this off season because of what they were able to accomplish. It's huge. The, uh, and there's a, uh, a couple of people in the chat have been talking about the Randy Shannon situation and Chris Marv. Um, so yeah, we'll have to see what happens. It sounds like Chris Marv, 
um, maybe looking to go to Virginia Tech, and I, that apparently is not done yet. Um, but if he leaves, that position becomes open, and then uh, you know it's possible Randy Shannon could slide in there at linebackers coach. He's obviously been a linebackers coach uh, for a lot of years. That's even when he was a defensive coordinator. A lot of times that's been his position. So maybe he becomes linebackers coach. Maybe he gets a some sort of assistant or co mm-hmm. a defensive coordinator position with Randy with uh, Adam Fuller. They did work extremely close together this whole year. Uh, I think they've got together. They work together well. I think that's a good relationship. But Randy Shannon's probably also getting you know opportunities elsewhere. This was his one year where he was still getting paid, paid by UCF as their defensive coordinator when that staff got let go. So Florida State got him on the cheap. He's gonna he's gonna be a full time assistant coach somewhere this year. It, it could be Florida State or or it could be somewhere else. But I'll tell you what, man. I went down and we talked about it before, but last summer when I went down to Miami for the youth clinics that Norvell hosted in South Florida, I mean, you would assume that that uh, Randy Shannon has a big following in South Florida, yeah. but it was it was way bigger than I even expected. I mean, all of the parents, all I mean, anybody over the age of ten down there in South Florida flocked to Randy Shannon. I mean, he. He is extremely well-known, very well-liked. High school coaches like him. Um, he's just got a good reputation. So so I think he could do a lot of things for them in recruiting in South Florida if he joins the staff full-time. Yeah, well, let's hope that's the case because obviously you're going to need to have some ins, especially if Crystal Ball goes down to Miami where he will seek to put the uh, proverbial fence around uh, Dade County, if you will, and, and make sure yeah. all the good players stay put. I mean, that's what Miami's always tried to do. And when they're really good, that is exactly what they do. They keep their homegrown talent. In the last 20 years, lots of people have been able to walk right in and raid uh, Miami's best talent, including Jimbo Fisher, who did it to help Florida State turn around its program, obviously. And you wrote a, uh, a great article about one of those players, as we remember. Uh, Ingvar is, again, contributing more money, apparently. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, Norvell will become our coach for a long time, I hope. His only one problem is uh, match uh, management, game management. Okay. Um, yeah. I think I, I, you know what? One thing, Ira, you made a good point when we were talking on Tuesday uh, during Seminole headlines, and that was that um, you know we used to look back at uh, and people criticized him all the time, uh, Leonard Hamilton in inbounds plays and end of game situations and how much they struggled with that. And then it was funny when they got better players, their inbound plays and end of game situations were managed better, <laughs> to the point where they set an NCAA record for overtime wins, etc. Uh, so. All of a sudden, they magically became smarter coaches. Well, I have a feeling that game management stuff, which, again, sometimes is about a decision, but oftentimes it's about what are you trying to do and with what players. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Mike Norvell's game management stuff has is born out of and was born out of desperation. Right. Um, whether it was limitations on the roster, limited possessions, whether or not they – felt like they could get back to that field position again at a later point in the game, those kinds of things. If you're limited and you don't feel like you can accomplish those things with any degree of consistency, you're willing to take even more chances, I think, if you're just, if you're playing to win the game and not just keep it close. And so I think you see some of that. Perhaps there's a little less of that uh, when you're more consistently able to move the football and you have a consistent drop-back pass game because you have offensive linemen that can block it up and you have receivers that can get separation and get open, those kinds of things. So um, right. I think and that I think that emerges as time goes on as well. And I thought, you know, you saw like a little microcosm of that last night in the Oklahoma State game where they don't have their running back. So when, they have the, when they're down at their goal line, you could tell they didn't have confidence in anything they were doing. It was either, all right, let's try a – try try to throw a fade. Okay. Let's try to run wide. 
Let's try to run up the middle. Like they didn't have confidence. I bet you if they had their running back, they might have had more confidence. And again, it's it's so I think as a coaching staff, it's hard to evaluate. We've all made a big deal about the fourth down calls. And, you know, and I think we're going to be doing something on the site about it here soon. But it's hard to really evaluate what Mike Norvell wants to do on fourth down in all those situations because we don't know how he feels about this team's ability to execute anything. Um, you know, whether it's because of personnel up front, whether it's personnel out wide, whether it's the quarterback pulling the trigger. I mean, you know, we, we don't know. You know, it's a little bit different to be calling the plays when you've got that Georgia roster, or the Alabama roster, or the Clemson roster than what you've got at Florida State right now. So it's just tough. It's, and that's why, I mean, I think, you know, we have to – we can't just judge everything right now based on what's happening right now. Um, and, and on that, there's been a few comments in the chat I want to bring up. People are still bringing up the Willies. You know, you know, people didn't want to give Willie that time. Why are you giving Mike Norvell this time? Again, we've said it a thousand times. I'm not we trying to talk about this a million I'm not, times. I'm not trying to piss you off, Jeff. I just want to say it real quickly because these are people. I'm taking them. Well, on face you, value. You, you handle this one, Ira. I'm, I'm taking them on face value. That it's not just trolling. The difference is all of the things behind the scenes. It's not about the, just the wins and losses. It's about how the program was run. It's about the relationships with the coaching staff. Willie Taggart's relationships, which is dysfunctional with coaches on the staff, his support staff was lacking. The way things run under Mike Norvell's support staff, it's the way it's supposed to look. Practice looks the way it's supposed to look. So it's not just about the win-loss record. So that's why we're going to be more willing, and the administration's going to be more willing to give Mike Norvell time than they were to Willie Taggart. Sorry, Jeff, we can move on. No, no, we yeah, we can move on. It gets brought up every time. It's all right. I understand it. I understand the optics of it. I understand the the complexity of the issue. It's just that we've answered it a million times, and I'm glad you took uh, the the helm there, buddy. I I, I get frustrated. I think it's uh, oftentimes it's a, I you know what you did. You did the right thing. You took it at face value. I usually look at those questions at this stage at the, of the game as disingenuous. And but that's, that's I'm cynical. Very possible. No, it's possible. It's very possible. <laughs> But, uh, but anyway, uh, so, here we, here we yeah. are. We're, we're moving forward. Should hey, we, by the um, way, I, let me yeah. ask you a question because I and and truly, I'm asking the question because I had other arrangements, as I noted at the stop, top of the show. I, I went out of town. It was basically fulfilling uh, my oldest son's birthday wish, uh, which was to go to an NBA game, and I told him we would. And so that's why I left town on Friday to go up to Atlanta to uh, to see the Hawks Sixers uh, was so that I could pay off that birthday present that I told him I was going to get him. And so we, we did that, but in doing so uh, I made it a family deal and my brother and his sister lived there with their kids. And so we all got together and spent two days together. And it was a great time. All of that to say this, I did not see Florida state Syracuse. In fact, my goal was to sit down and watch Florida State Syracuse first thing tomorrow morning when I get up after dropping the kids off at school because obviously I want to be prepared to talk about it when I go on the air tomorrow afternoon. So that was my plan. In the interim, I certainly looked at the game stories on warchant.com. I read yours, Ira. I looked at the highlights. So was this really simply about Florida State going as cold as a team can possibly go for a brutally long stretch in the second half? Is that what happened to the 11-point lead? What the hell? I looked at my phone. I saw the score. I was like, good. We're kicking that ass at home as I thought we would. I went on about my day. And the next time I looked at it, we lost. And I said, I muttered an expletive and uh, and then said, how'd that happen? And now I'm asking you. There were, I mean, you know, there was a few things that kind of maybe got exposed again. I mean, they, they let, they let Syracuse get a lot of offensive boards early in the game more than you'd like. Um, that's a concern. They got to do a better job defensive rebounding. I think in the first half for a long time, at one point, I think Syracuse had as many offensive rebounds late in the first half as Florida state had defensive rebounds. 
Syracuse was awful offensively. They could not put the ball in the basket, but they were hanging around just because they kept getting second chance, uh, second chance after second chance. Um, in the second half, yeah, man, Syracuse hit some threes, and Florida State just could not hit anything. It was, I think they were four out of 30 from three. And it wasn't like it was all contested guys' hands in their face. I mean, they got looks and just jacked them up, missed it. The one thing I would complain about, and I brought up to Leonard in the post game, was Caleb Mills had 11 points at halftime. He was leading scorer. He's your best scorer, your best offensive player. And he had, he had taken 10 shots in the first half. It was late in the second half, and he still had only taken like two shots, I think, in the second half. So you had a lot of guys jacking up threes, whether it's Raekwon Evans or Polite or Malik Osborne or Wyatt Wilkes and all these guys shooting threes that there were ostensibly open threes, but you know they're not hitting them. And they're just teeing them up and teeing them up and teeing them up. It's like at some time, at some point, you know, give it to somebody who can get a basket closer to the basket. And uh, so that was um, a little frustrating. I think they just – I don't say they settled for, for threes because against the zone because they were good looks. Um, but you weren't hitting them. At some point, you need to go inside and try to make something happen. They waited too long, and then all of a sudden they're down 11 points with like mm. five minutes to go. They rallied to get to one uh, and had the ball, but, but uh, couldn't, couldn't get the job done. Disappointing James, think, uh, really quick, uh, I want to say thanks to James. I saw uh, he contributed to the Sunday Smash. And we appreciate that. Uh, he says, Thanks, damn, James. I love the Sunday smash and all my fellow Noel fans. Win or lose, but let's win more. Yeah, yeah, I'm a big fan of winning. It beats the hell out of losing there, James. I'm with you, buddy. Let's win more. Um, yeah, I, we've said all year long, Ira, you know, coming into the season, we thought this was a, a unique challenge for Leonard Hamilton and his staff. This team has talent. They're not devoid of talent. But uh, they're not built like the Florida State teams of the last three years. And so it was going to be interesting to see how they meshed. And I thought that the first half of the year especially, and I think that's what we're going to see week in and week out, was going to be disjointed. I thought that you would see games where Florida State looked really good and individual players would shine and you'd have those moments where you think that guy's an emerging star. could be any number of players uh, that are really athletic and can really score. Uh, there'll be nights that it's Fletcher or Cleveland or Mills, you name it, right? And so these, I thought this would be a unique team, but I also thought it would be really inconsistent. And I think you're seeing some of that. I do have one question for you, and then I'll leave the basketball alone as we're getting close to wrapping it up. But I, I do wonder, um, I, I, maybe you don't share this observation that I have or this feeling that I have, but I didn't, because I didn't see the game Saturday, I, I don't know. But what's going on with Polite? He's been awful. Uh, and he doesn't even look yeah. like the same guy. Yeah, it just seems to me, and, and again, man, uh, you know, I'm not, you know, I mean, it's not like I, I talked to Anthony Polite or, or I'm that right, close right. to the situation, but just observing it, it just seems like he's in a place where he's trying to do too much. And, you know, the the thing that's been so good about Florida State basketball over these last, I don't know, man, six, seven years, is that guys uh, have really understood what they're good at, what their role is, what they bring to the offense, what they bring to the defense, and then play that role. And I think, to me, it seems, seems like, you know, Anthony's trying to do too much. You know, maybe it's because it's his last year. Maybe it's because um, he's a veteran. I think that's you know one thing that you know Hamilton brings up a lot, and some of the other players have brought up is you do have some of these guys who are being who are veterans now feel the need to step up and carry the load when that's not really what they've ever done before. Wyatt Wilkes has never been that kind of guy. Uh, Anthony Polite's never been that kind. Raekwon Evans really hasn't been that kind of guy. Uh, Malik Osborne has kind of stepped into that and seems to be doing well with it, but a lot of those other guys are not. And uh, I think that's going to be the key: is man, they got to figure out how to how to 
get some of those older guys to settle back into roles that they're comfortable and confident in and then bring along these other guys and see if they can step up. Because it may be a case where some of these other younger guys that are more talented need to step up into some of those lead roles. And that 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 has not, they haven't figured out a way to make that mesh yet. Kyle, that's awfully kind of you to say. Appreciate you guys. All you do, Sunday Smash is my favorite on the Warchant channel. Thanks, Thanks Kyle. Man. Thanks. Appreciate I appreciate that, Kyle. Appreciate that a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, speaking of which, as we get closer to uh, the end of the show here, I do, I do want to uh, mention how pumped I am, Ira. I know we're in the midst of talking about it. First of all, who did you pick tonight, prize picks? Uh, I won last week. Did you? Hey, listen, I think you won. No, you came up short. What happened? Man, I had uh, – I think I went – uh, under or uh, you had it right with Tua. You got the Tua part. Yeah, that was right the week you. before. Oh, okay. Before. Yeah, I had Mayfield. I think I had Mayfield. I think Mayfield threw for more than I expected, or or one one way or the other, I was wrong on Mayfield. And uh, if Matthew can show us some picks, uh, I will. You gonna uh, make I'll, one right I'm, now? You want to make I'm some for tonight? Because I've been a little bit busy today, man. We had the AD situation and then uh, some recruiting stuff. So well, that's fair. Let's pull it up here. Let's crank that. Let's get that bigger. There we I go. Do, I like go. to I like to go with the Sunday night game though. I like to I like the live action. I want to know what we okay. got going on. I'll go with you. Okay, you make your first pick here at quarterback, and I'll go with you. I'll do this as well. Who you got? Um, what's the? Oh man, I I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. You, you can do right, tomorrow go. night's game. You can no, do no, tomorrow night's no, game no, as well. No, I like to. I I don't have the. I can't wait. I can't wait, Jeff. <laughs> I'm going. Uh, I'm going Mahomes, and I'm going under. I'm going under 277 and a half. Okay. And then my, my second, uh, let's check out the rushing. Let's check out the rushing. Yeah, yeah go. we're, going, we're going rushing. Here we go. All right, man. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with, ooh, see what these, these are the weirdest ones. Like where they pick a non running back and they just put like three yards. Can I, I can I give you one really quick? Give me give me a tip. Give me a tip. I'm gonna I'm gonna take Javante Williams and I'm gonna go over uh is that 20? Oh no, rushing yards. Yeah. I'm gonna go Javante Williams over 67 and a half yards rushing. Only because I have him as in a flex this week out of desperation and I need him. I need him. And if Denver has any interest in winning the game, I do think they have to run the ball. And then, all right, well, can we see receiving? Let me see receiving. Receiving yards? Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, – I'm going to go with Jerry Judy over 47 and a half. Oh, so I'm going Travis Kelsey say. over 68 and a half, baby, all day long. You're feeling, you're feeling confident. I got this. Let's add it up. See how easy this is. 20 to win 100? Forget about – oh. <laughs> oh, hey, settle down, Matthew. I don't have that in my account. I'm so – I love, I'm, I love I'm, it. <laughs> 10, 10, 10, 10 a pop. Uh, the um, but yeah, uh, friends, if you haven't uh, checked out PrizePicksYet.com yet, you uh, you get a they'll deposit match your deposit one hundred percent of it uh, if you use the WarChamp promo code. We appreciate them for all their support. We do appreciate them for all their support, and now I can take that off a of full screen because I'm blind and can't see those names unless I put it on full screen here. I I don't know if your eyes are as bad as mine, but we're good. Um, so. We got a final couple of questions here we can answer. Um, Ira, do you want to comment on reports that the current AD at Louisville is expected to be? We already did. We already did, yeah, Wesley. We've, we've been talking about that back. the whole time. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, couple we'll things. see. A couple things. Ira and I talked about the AD situation at length at the beginning of this. You can always go back and watch. In fact, we would encourage you to do so. Also, for those that came in a little bit later, we absolutely mentioned the soccer team. Why wouldn't we? It's an annual occurrence that they are in the Final Four and or the championship game. So we congratulated them and we tipped our cap. 
can I tell a quick uh, Mark Accorian story real quick? I love Mark. Sure. All right. So FSU soccer coach Mark Accorian, I may put something on the site about this. Last, about a year, uh, close to a year ago, I interviewed him uh, for a War Chant one-on-one, and he told the story of how he became um, really a, a women's soccer coach. He was coaching boys uh, at the high school level and kind of got some low-level opportunities at small schools. Um, but it was really a fascinating story of how he got involved in recruiting international players. Uh, it's, it's just, and I'm going to put something up on the website about it, but it's really amazing. You know, you see him now and the product that, that they've created and the program they've created, but really there was some kind there was a little bit of luck involved in him, uh, getting a position as a women's soccer coach at the college level. And then also, uh, how he got into recruiting, uh, international players. The, the first college coach, he followed college team he coached, which was a small school. They had a few players from Sweden on the team. He started talking to them, asked them if there were more players back home who might be interested. It turned out these two, these girls were his best players, and they were apparently like on the fifth level of team of club team in Sweden. Wow! And so he's like, "So wait, there's four levels of uh, higher. All these than other you? people are better than you. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think I could reach out to them? So he did that, made the connection, went over there, and that that really is what led to him, um, you know, doing so well because once he then once he built those relationships and people realized that. He's a good guy, a great coach. Obviously, he's had tremendous success. That's kind of where it all started. I'll, I'm going to put something up on the website about it. It's pretty interesting. But if you if you get on YouTube and just start, search for Mark Rikorian and Warchan or Mark Rikorian and look back till I think it was like last spring, um, that interview, it's it's midway through or pretty early on in that interview. If you watch it, uh, you can see that whole story of how he became really, you know, how he got on the path to where he is now. And that program, they may win uh, their third national title under him uh, Monday night. It's amazing, and I sure hope so, and I'm looking forward to watching it. And uh, by the way, Clayton, thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate your kind words, and we appreciate everybody who comes on here and watches the Sunday Smash. Uh, Ira, this was fun as always, buddy. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday evening. Uh, don't forget tomorrow morning, uh, Wake Up War Chant, also tomorrow afternoon at 1 o'clock to 3 o'clock. It's the Jeff Cameron Show. Uh, Ira, what do you got going on on the site uh, tomorrow or Tuesday? Anything we need to promote? We've got a lot of recruiting coverage uh, that's going up. I'm actually going back to read another story. Michael's got a, a 12 to watch, looking at the the top recruits that Florida State's really involved with, and then also be writing uh, some uh, a column about the athletic director situation and kind of where FSU is there. Uh, so stay connected to WarChant.com. You'll have uh, a lot of coverage on recruiting, the athletics director situation, the coaching staff, and uh, soccer tomorrow night, and then. Uh, leading into uh, the rest of men's basketball season. Plenty going on at warchant.com. All right, brother. Be good. Our thanks to Matthew as well. He produced it tonight. Thanks to all of you guys. We'll be talking to you all week long, as always, on warchant.com, Warchant TV, uh, as well as on 93.3. Be good, everybody, and uh, have a good rest of your Sunday night. Have a good week. Peace.